As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerd She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as usual, Seth Partnow and Mo DeKeel, and our special guest, Katie Heindel. What's up, Katie? How's it going, guys? It's so nice to see your faces again. Yeah, this show. is the part where we have to act like we haven't been sitting here for 20 minutes making jokes. But I was know. still thinking it the whole time, though. Oh, it was for 20 minutes, I was like, "This is great." Yeah. yeah the, these are some faces. I'm like Mo. She saved her best stuff for the pod. <laughs> no, Seth. I just warm up that way. That's all. It's all gold coming out of me, Seth. I got juice today. I got like, a cup of tea. We're ready to roll. Most most hype. Mo, yeah, <laughs> Mo is definitely fired up. We don't normally record this late. We usually go in the morning. Might have to switch us over to to an afternoon <laughs> recording time. Just all the coffee seems to have kicked in for Mo. Uh, Katie, you know how this goes. We like to start the show with our favorite thing. It can be something recent. It could be something. I mean, this is your first appearance this season, so it could be anything from the first third of the season, I guess. Uh, but mm. I'm assuming it's going to be something pretty fresh. Yeah, I got a heavy recency bias uh, with my fave with my fave thing, and it's kind of like the unhingedness of um, Charles Barkley. Uh, just like this season, I want to say. Uh, first, we have like him, his like conspiracy theory uh, with the Lakers on Inside the NBA, just being like saying what we all think, which is why do they always talk about the Lakers? Why don't we ever talk about the Wizards? <laughs> um, and being like, I'm sick of it. Uh, he's doing the thing that most men over 50 don't do, which is they usually go crazy, I think, in a bad way. Chuck's going crazy in a fun way. Um, you don't know that. You don't know if he's got a sports car that he could barely fit into, Katie. You don't know if he hasn't done the midlife crisis. He could crisis do that yet. on his own time. But like the public <laughs> stuff, that I really appreciate him angling it more toward like, yeah, a fun commiseration style more than like a, a miserable commiseration style. He, he's really like leaned a- into the fun uncle thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No, I'm just wondering if like like Kenny pushing him into the tree, like that that (laughs) like that was like the ghost of Christmas, the ghost of like seasons past visiting him, and now he's trying to make amends for. Well, I feel like Shaq's going the other way. Like Shaq is maybe on the downslope where I think Chuck's going up. So I think, but then when Shaq was in the tree. My favorite part about that was he was still mic'd up, obviously, and he was just laughing the whole time. And then was basically like, can you just come and help me up? He's a big kid. That's all. I think the more important thing just with with the Chuck complaint of the Lakers is just we just don't need them on national TV as much as they're on. The NBA's got so much going. We got so many good teams. We don't need them on every week on national TV. He's, that being said though, they gave us a great game. I mean, that game against the Celtics was awesome. Anthony Davis was cool. Like LeBron James did a lot of cool stuff in that game. Like I mean, that, that was worth talking about. They No, no, it was. That was a great game, rivalry game. I'm not saying they should never be on national TV, Dave. 
but they're on yeah. like every other day it feels like in <laughs> in that sense but let's also just say they gave us a great game and blew it in spectacular fashion in the last two minutes in that overtime yeah the russell westbrook effect um and by the way i also love that this got us to start the show with a lakers uh, segment. So mm. <laughs> it's See, working. They're working. Yeah, they're working yeah. even when they're not that's, working. That's it. That that's the conspiracy. Um, birds are also real. Uh, Seth, what's no, your favorite thing this week? Uh, my favorite thing is since we're we're a show that's all about the vibes. My favorite thing is it's been coming. It's the beam. Yes. It's not just the beam. It's everything around the beam. It's how the kings have embraced the beam. If you saw the. Uh, the locker room stuff from the other day it's they've all got the purple laser pointers out and and like the the defense chain and um the defense uh, chain is stupid sorry oh, i love it no i love the chain <laughs> the i want to know which intern dumb. had to make the chain no i like it i i mean stuff like this is fun this is this is like in in it, who knows where this king's team goes but i think i think the most fun like i it, it, you know, for the Bucks, out of my last year there was 1819, which is the first year we were really good. And I think most people would say, even though they've been, you know, conference finals, won the finals, the most like just fun the season was, was that season because it's like, oh shit, we're good. This is fun. Winning is fun. We haven't really done a lot of this. Let's go. And so was I'm that enjoying the year that, that they were wrestling in the hallway and stuff. Like the vibe. I mean, that just, was like three different the, years. They were. Yeah, they were that's like, true. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the most wrestling was the next year when we had both mm-hmm. low pie. I, I mm-hmm. like the beam. And, and the reason I like the beam, I mean, number one, it is cool to, especially to kind of involve the entire community, right? Like, I mean, they, they put that thing up. You know, if the Kings won, you don't have to check some random Twitter account <laughs> or go check the box score. I think that's inherently cool. But also, it plays into sort of the, the fun roots of basketball basketball used to be fun you would go to the like the aba was all about the attraction and the fun and it had kind of like this almost minor league baseball feel to it and this is one of the things that the nba has kind of lost everything has been so big picture we're trying to spread our brand around the world that the basketball and the winning and and success of your local team matters less and less to the product and so for me this is this is a team that's saying, hey, look, no, we're Sacramento. We want to be Sacramento. Let's be a part of this together. I think the beam is a part of that. It reminds me of what Memphis does. Like Memphis leans into the wrestling heritage of the area, and they do skits with all season long to build up to stuff. I, I think that kind of stuff where you actually embrace your fans and make them a part of it with you is important. Not enough teams are doing it. Now, please don't copy the beam any other team, but – Come up with your own beam. I would love for 30 teams to have their variation of this thing. It's cool. When the Maybe Sixers not the Lakers, though. Did copy the beam this week. I was pretty upset. Like, I was surprised by how. You already got the bell. You was. don't need the beam. You got the That's bell. That's right. Yeah. Like, That's, that you're kind of like, find your own slant. Yeah. But That's lame. Yeah, find That's a new incredibly slant. lame. Yeah. Yeah, I will say this. One, one, one mess up. They, they had, um. They had 50 Cent come light the beam one night, and they were playing DMX. That, that bothered me. That, That's the only... That's the only issue I've got with the beam. Uh, Mo, what's your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing is the Orlando Magic. I just want you to understand something. They have nine wins. They're on a four-game win streak right now. Their wins, they have wins over the Warriors, the Mavs, the Suns. They beat the Clippers in overtime, swept the Raptors, and, and, and beat the Hawks. For a bad team, they're pretty good. <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of the fun aspect of it, you know. And I think, you know, they're going to be playing the Celtics back to back or doing that sort of two games in, in Boston. And maybe it may not turn out that way, but they're fun. Paulo Bonchero, amazing. Franz Wagner, unbelievable second year. You have great fun time with Bull Bull and everything you have going in there. And I just kind of love what Jamal Mosley is doing with that squad. I really think this is just a, a fun, it's it's almost like, uh, it's like our buddies who do Cinephobe. This is a bad movie that's so bad it's good. But these guys are good and it's fun to watch. And I think we just got to watch, we got to watch them more. I just, I just, you know, we, we love getting weird here. And their starting lineup was, okay, Markel Fultz got a guard. Then you have Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner, 
Paulo Bamacaro and Bull Bull. Like they just like they it, they need to get Wendell Carter Jr. back. And sorry, Markel, you got to go to the bench. And that's just you know the 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 John Hammond Jeff Weltman like beaver dream. Just roll it out there at the at the jump, and that's that's what we need. They're doing an extreme version of what Messiah's tried to put together in, in Toronto, right? Like instead of six seven, Katie, they're going six ten. I mean, how can this go wrong? Who's next? Somebody's going to get Victor, and they're going to go. Oh, all seven footers. It's probably going to be Messiah. It might be. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> uh, you know, so Mo, to your point, I think that the talent level in the league is so high that even like young players, they're they're just better than they used to be, and so you. <laughs> I do think that even the bad young teams are going to start winning more games until, you know, the tank actually comes out because they're just able to be more competitive faster. They're better athletes. They're, they're better conditioned, you know, all of these things. And the Houston Rockets have caught a few teams here recently. They caught the Bucks. They caught the Suns. I just think that overall, you know, and this leads right into my favorite thing, which is the amount of parity that we have in the league right now. Uh, guys, Who's the best team in the league? The Boston Celtics. Boston. And second, we'd probably all say Milwaukee, Hmm. right? Who's third? New Orleans. Right. It's getting weird after that. You you probably have three, four, five teams that you would say are, you know, somewhere between third and ninth, Hmm. honestly. Like, it's just all over the place. And this is a season in which it really feels like it's wide open, especially in the West. The West is down this year. The, the new young teams, New Orleans and Memphis, like we talked about last week, they're on the way up. Now you've got Steph Curry, going to miss some time with, an, uh, with a shoulder issue. LeBron's older, and the Lakers just aren't built up to, to be able to, to survive out West. And, and this is almost a passing of the guard season, it feels like. And, and so we've got quite a bit of parity there as well. Heading into trade season, I think this is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I what mean, I... Sorry, Mo. No, I was going to say, what I kind of like about it is you've got all these different franchises that are, you know, quote, traditional small market teams, but they've kind of just been allowed to incubate and cook and try something almost like out from under spotlight. Like definitely when I think about Orlando, I think of like myself writing off the Rockets pretty much up until, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, <laughs> like going into the season, certainly. The Cavs are doing the same thing. The Grizzlies have been doing this for a few seasons now. To a degree, Toronto, we'll get to that. But like you have this kind of this sense of like these smaller or mid markets just being able to do their own thing. And I, what I like about the parody, Dave, is it is it feeds into me to like my NBA utopia, which is like <laughs> developmental pipelines abound <laughs> for every team and kind of the importance of like if you can attract a superstar and we've seen now what's happened when like stacking superstars backfires in a really big and bad way, like what is the alternative and how do smaller markets get and stay competitive? I mean, that I think is going to be the key Mo. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the whole, this is the deal. This is why the warriors are where they are in the situation is just because they've proven to not really develop their young guys while trying to compete for a championship. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think there's a lot of that challenging with all those things. Some decisions they've made, and we could argue we can relitigate the draft yet again for like the umpteenth time. Um, but I think there's there's a lot of that stuff. I think development takes a big importance in what you're doing going forward with it. But I just also think it goes is what you said, Dave. It's just the league's in a great spot. We got we got a lot of young, talented guys. You know, it's funny. Like I was listening to something else earlier today, and they were like. Yo, Luka Doncic is 23. <laughs> like, we, we're hopefully going to have him for a long time. Tatum's still a baby. Like, we're going to have these guys for a really long time. I think this is kind of the, the, the fun part of the league, and now I think it's time for teams got to start figuring out how to build and get ready for this. Luka's turning into a grumpy old man before our eyes, though. He was always grumpy. He was just that a might be situational. Yeah, and I'm, I'm again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I blame him. I'm just saying he is very visibly grumpy right now. Um, and, you know, I, again, I think with good reason, because I think he is probably has some expectations for where the team will be. And the team is clearly not. And they've, you know, we can relitigate the decisions they've made as well and, and, and kind of see why. 
Well, that is a perfect segue to our big topic this week, which we're going to get to right after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Trade season is officially underway now that we've hit the magic December 15th date. That's the day when free agents signed over the summer are eligible to be included in trades. You just talked about the Dallas Mavericks. That is a team that absolutely needs to make a move to be competitive. I mean, they are missing Jalen Brunson, and it shows up in every single game, guys. I just don't know what assets they have available to move. And it seems like that's the case with a lot of these teams that are sort of stuck in the middle. What do they have left? I mean, Christian Wood was, I mean, has not really panned out for the for the Mavs so far. He's not really an asset, is he? So I think zooming just out from that, I think Dallas. This is I like I I, I was gonna argue with you about this because you kind of put a notion into the ether, Dave, that uh Dallas's problem is Luca was too good, too fast. And so they didn't get enough. And to that I kind of say bullshit. Um, they didn't because, have to push the chips into the table. Well, they Katie, didn't. They, Katie, not you're just getting that, to watch not, a fight here on Nerder. Yeah, this is not great. just that. Just though, like, like you know, the, the, <laughs> like people point to the Porzingis trade. I think the Porzingis trade of all the things they did, that's fine. Like that's a maybe they didn't get the health right or, or whatever, but that was fine. It's more. It's the well, we well Dwight Powell's pretty good, so we got to keep him around, and Reggie Bullock's pretty good, and we got to keep him. And then and it's just you know, you've got Luka Doncic. He's already a top 10, like his rookie year, basically. He's a top 20 player in the league. You got to aim higher. And they just were like, no, well, these these guys are, you know, these guys are competent and 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 high floor, but no ceiling. And then you have a team full of no ceiling guys with, you know, kind of one of the top players in the league. And you trap yourself into that. And, and you know, that was true whether or not they kept Brunson or not, frankly. Like they would be, would they be better now? Yeah, they'd probably be, but they would be, they'd be much more than like a fifth or sixth seed if they still had Brunson. Probably not. So I think it's, it's their ambitions did not match their good fortune in terms of, of doing the smart thing, which was trading up to get Luca. And then it's like, well, we're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, Seth, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I feel like I was, as you were, as we were talking about the Mavs, I'm like, you know, on paper, really competent team makes a lot of sense but then when you're like oh wait when like tim hardaway jr and i'm a big tim hardaway jr fan but when he's kind of like your best second option and then you just have again as you said a a great roster of competent athletes but then also you've got injuries so it's like then do you could you have you're like expressly thin because you don't really have like a reliable second um maybe because they put so much weight on this superstar in in luca well, Porz- you know, Porzingis talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago in an interview where he talked about how Luka is is kind of difficult to play with. And he didn't mean it as a slight. It's just that the style, mm-hmm. not everyone can play with Luka. And I wonder if from a front office perspective, if if that doesn't play into it. Mo, I mean, you know, it, you feel like maybe they didn't make some moves that they should have made to just increase talent because they were looking for a better fit. I mean, Christian Wood, at least on paper, you could say, oh, well, that's a big that fits well with Luka. Yeah, but I think the the funny thing about like the, just using the Christian Wood as a quick example, like, yeah, but your problem was on the defensive end, and that wasn't what you and you know you're not getting that from Christian Wood, and I think that's you know the the thing they thought they were going to get more from Javale McGee and things like that. I feel it's like just a lot of failed signings, stuff they thought they were getting, and that's a history with the Mavs. Go all the way back to the Dirk years, and a lot of guys after they won the championship never really pan out whenever they sign stuff sign guys and thinking like they're going to get a big piece out of that. 
but I just kind of hate the whole, well, he's just difficult to play with. So we can't find players. It's along the lines with coaches going, he doesn't fit my system and things like that. Like that's your jobs to kind of adjust and figure this stuff out a little bit and get this stuff going. I think the problem for the Mavs in terms of just when I watch them, it kind of the, the, I understand where you're coming from, Dave. Like you would hope ideally they would have tanked those years with when, when that Baluka really kind of sh- was better than I think they even expected right. coming out of the gate, but they didn't respond well after that. That's so, okay. We got to change our plans now. We're not tanking. Now, how do we get the next best guy or whatnot? They made the swing for Porzingis and, you know, Seth, I agree with Seth. At the time, I thought it was a great move and everything, but they've not nailed a lot of other things after that. Like, there's not a lot of moves I look at them going like, oh, that's great. That's a great pickup. That's awesome. You know, I like the Porzingis trade, the trade they made that got them, Dinwiddie and, and Bertans, that paid off big time for them in the, the playoffs. But I think the big reason why they made those trades wasn't because those were guys they thought would matter. It was guys they thought they could spin off later in in other trades and things like that so i think it's just interesting i just feel like their whole team building and how they're going about things is just we just hope luca can do enough and and we can build just enough around him to get us there and i think that's the wrong way to look at it so one short point one longer point like you're asking should they well guys who can fit with luca blah 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 get people there's nothing wrong with challenging him to play with good players also like, in fact, that's probably, I mean, uh, we've gone on that rant about like turning the, the keys to the franchise over to, to people too, too early with the Hawks. It's maybe a little of that there too. The second one is their team, like Mo, you said that they've missed with a lot of things. Every team misses with a lot of things. The problem is, is, is there, there it's, it's like the, the franchise building equivalent of a coach of a coach running an ATO to get an 18 footer. Like, even if it works. Like they're good moves. Like they're well, we're gonna hit a single here. Good job, we hit a single. Like what? Like I that doesn't score a run. The the, the Jalen Brunson thing really has set him back. Losing him for nothing, basically. It, you know, banking on the Knicks needing to do a sign and trade or whatever it was that they were doing. Um, it hurt him. But you know, they don't make it to the conference finals last year if they don't hang on to him at the deadline, right? Like if they just moved him to the Knicks. They don't get that run, and, and that's that. They had a puncher's chance at making the finals last year. Yeah, the Warriors were a lot better, but still, you make the conference finals. That that has to count for something. So, I, I know I'm belaboring the point, but what the hell? That's our. I show. mean, we're spending um, the entire trade segment just talking about Dallas, <laughs> who probably is not no, going to make a so, trade. <laughs> so, like having you know, just 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 my favorite thing being a team, like enjoying the success they're having, um, for a team that should be kind of. I mean, frankly, you have Luca on your team. Championship or bust is the way to go. Are they better off if they didn't make the conference finals last year? Probably. Like, are they, if they're like, you know what? We need to get better instead of we are a conference finals team. Let's add Christian Wood and let's go. I don't agree with that. I think getting to the conference finals always has some sort of value to it. I mean, it, listen, it can. it's about how you respond to that. And I think like we saw it with the Hawks two years ago, make the conference final did not respond last year at all uh, properly in the way you would think, okay, that should motivate them and get them going and get them eager to do it. You know, we, they, they made moves and that was my thing when they made the conference finals and got knocked out. I was like, okay, you need to build upon this. I may not agree with having going to get Christian wood, but you need to build upon that. You only have so many times where you can say like, Hey, Luca, we're 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 gonna take this year off. I know we made it to the conference finals, but that's not a big deal or whatever. That's I, that's not what I'm saying. No, no, I I I get it, but it's also like you're saying. It, but I but I think the the important aspect of it is they screwed up in 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 the move they made. Right? They took their shot. You're saying they're going Christian Woods a single. They probably thought they were going for a double, you know. And it turned out the dude didn't pan out the way they hoped. They thought with him with uh. JaVale McGee and things like that, that's enough. What my bigger problem with them is, and it's what you said earlier, they're not aiming high enough and they're not thinking high enough. They're thinking just simply, Luca's enough, we can add the bare minimum around him and he will elevate everybody. They're not thinking, how do we elevate Luca? Yeah, and I it's think like that's the problem. The moves they've made aren't necessarily future casting, right? They're yeah. almost like sometimes a half a season behind. 
than what they to, actually need. Trying to plug holes in the in the dam. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> it. It's like constantly trying to do that. It's why Dwight Powell still is their best big right now. And that seems impossible. It makes no sense. All right. Let's talk about some of the some of the teams that we expect to be buying, guys. Um, I, we, I think we all agree. Boston, they're they're set. They've 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 got. They seem depth. okay. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> um, I now I would say Milwaukee is set, but I, I think that they've got a couple. Well, hang on, there's a couple of spots that they could use some help. Number one, if you're playing too much Grayson Allen for my taste. And Bobby Bobby Portis has been great this year, but man, th- there's a lot of Bobby Portis down the stretch. Now, some of that has been health, you know, Chris Middleton out for most of the season. Um, but w- what do you guys feel about Milwaukee, Katie? Like, who should they be, you know, trying to bring in there? I feel like they're in good shape. I guess like I'm very pragmatic. I'm not like a bullying type trades person, which is probably not very much fun in these kinds of exercises. But like to me a lot of this stress and like the minutes crunch and everything is alleviated when you get Middleton back. And I Mm -hmm. think they know that. And obviously like they want to be contenders. They want to like capitalize on Giannis's just like, I don't even want to say his prime because then it suggests that it's going to be over soon, which like, I don't like another decade, but like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like I don't think that's going to be the case. So I also think they maybe are just banking on longevity and then just like maybe getting getting like getting hot and going on a little bit of a run. But like the Bucks are always a mystery to me because they are such like a work a day team. You know, like when I try and pin down like what is the personality uh, of the Bucks? Like what is the spark of the Bucks? Like I don't know, Seth, you can speak to this. Seth, but I'm just I don't like, know. Do you have any insight on the Bucks? Just very like we love working. <laughs> no, that's that that's no, that's that's I mean that's that's perfectly right. That's that's like what a bud regular season team does. It's the, I think the expression I've used on this pod before is they're washing clothes. Like they're just showing up to like, all right, second halftime, let's flip to the dryer and, and, you know, and, and so I, I think that, that they are in a situation, I think to their credit, I think they know this now, whether they make the, whether they, they, the right move is available or they make it, I don't know, but I think that they have the right idea that anything they do is not looking forward to, you know, okay, we need this guy to fill some regular season minutes. Like who can play against Boston? Who can play against Philadelphia? Who can play against Brooklyn? Who can play against, I was going to say golden state, but who are playoff players who are, yeah, playoff who, players? yeah, who are, who are not just playoff players, but who are second round plus playoff players. Mm-hmm. What, and, and not just in every series, but sometimes it's even situationally like who, like, Maybe you look at okay, we might need one other guy to guard data. We might need one other guy to match up with with uh, with Embiid, so we don't have to just tie Lope, Brooke Lopez to him or something like that. I think for the the Bucks, I don't think they need anything. But like, and, and to what Seth's point is, I think that point becomes very clear once they get a good look at what's going on with Joe Ingles, and that's I think the guy they kind of everybody sort of forgets about and easily to forget about because he's been hurt and we've never seen him with the bucks. And this is going to be an interesting thing of him coming back from an ACL. You know, what's he going to look like? Can he provide something? Cause if it's something where he can provide and help that half court offense, which is still really a problem for them, I think that's the, the important thing. And if they look and they know, okay, Hey man, like he may not be able to give us those minutes or he may not be the second round guy that Seth's talking about. Then they really got to go looking. And then, it, and, and, and on the other side of it too, for them is can never have enough wings crowders out there, you know, like you don't want him to go end up in Miami, you know, or a, a team you have to play against and, and he can clearly help your squad. I think and kind of play a similar PJ Tucker role for them that they had when they won the championship. So I think that would probably be the thing, but they don't have to make anything major. Uh, what about that next class? I mean, you, you mentioned Miami, Jay Crowder obviously would be a good option for them. I, I'd put Toronto in there. Uh, Cleveland is probably at the upper crust of that class. I mean, let, let's start with Toronto, Katie, because you know you, you're plugged in there more than than I am. Um, they clearly need a big because their defense the the floor gets too low when they miss anyone. If OG Ananobi's mm-hmm. out, they they really fall apart quite a bit. So I think that a big would really help them, like a solid rotational like starting big would just be a huge boost to them and raise their floor quite a bit. You you agree with me there? Like, yes and no. I think it's, it's like pretty twofold with Toronto right now is one, like 
you haven't seen the team at full capacity all season, which also seems to be a little bit of a ghost of what happened last season as well. But like, just in terms of like general health and injury stacking up, it's tough to get a handle on like the true um, strength of vision six, nine, as you call it. Uh, and like whether they're willing to, like, I'm also still of the mind that like, if you want to go out and get a center, totally fine. If you want to go out and get like a traditional big, okay. But then you are kind of recalibrating this experiment. And I don't know if it's a, it's, if you're going to go so far to be like, we're tossing it out the window. We, we don't believe in this anymore because also the rest of your team is like six, eight, six, nine. So that's very tough to do. Um, but I do think it kind of skews things like that. Young's been great. Like when he's been in, but I think sometimes it's like, it is a lot to ask of him defensively in that mix. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like, and like Boucher, like I love Boucher, but it's like he gets in over his head sometimes. Um, and like the size just really, he's like a stocky, not stocky. He's like a link, a, like a, a ropey long guy. So he's not, he doesn't kind of have like the bullying power that I think the team needs. I miss Marcus all deeply, but I also don't think this Raptors team is that Raptors team anymore. And at some point, if you're, we talked about future casting before, if you're trying to project the identity of your team, what you want it to be, you have to sort of stick with the blueprint that you've set. My big thing about Toronto, whether we're talking about trades or just where they're at this season and all the kind of panic around them is I don't really think there was an expectation set for this season. Honestly, by the front office, I really don't think it was made. Uh, to me, it's like, get to the second round. That seems great. That seems workable. But there's a really big discrepancy between like championship or bus mentality and like, let's try and make the best of what we can out of like a Pascal Siakam, like MVP candidacy year, OG and Anobi, defensive player of the year candidacy. Like, you know, let's try and make the most we can out of this. And then like a Scotty Barnes, let's try and help him as much as we can in his sophomore season. So this is when I get a lot of Toronto Raptors fans upset with me. Okay. <laughs> that's going to happen no matter right what. Now. It's very yeah. hard Regardless, Here comes this the is drums. what they do. But this is what they do in, in, in that sense. But I'm over the 6-9 vision idea thing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think it, it... It's... At a certain point when you're experimenting, like, you kind of do that when you're a team like Orlando. Hmm. Not really a lot of promise or things like that. You have Pascal Siakam, who's one of the best 15 players in the NBA, you could rank them wherever the hell you guys want. But like in that range, for sure, he's, he's unbelievable. You have OG Ananobi looking like a defensive player of the year candidate and, and playing at that level. That's phenomenal. We will touch on Scotty, I think, but I think this is a team that's begging for a center and to, to, to start winning games. Like this isn't a, I know they have the, the blueprint and the experiment and stuff like that. And, Worked out great last year. They finished in the top six. Nobody really kind of thought they would be that team. And and I think this year it's not working as well. And uh, injuries have always been a thing. This was a problem for them last year. Mm. I think you got to upgrade upgrade over Christian Colloquio. Uh, and I hope to God I said his name correctly. Coloco. Um, Coloco. Oh, you yeah. Yeah. you just added it. like another added a letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> too much, too much for me. Um, <laughs> But I think you like, I get the idea and it sounds great. Everybody's six nine, super long, all that stuff. And I hope to God the cat scratches Seth right now because that's what we got. Nobody can see this except for the four of us. But it, it's just not practical, especially when you're playing in an Eastern Conference, when you're going to have to deal with Joel Embiid at some point. You're going to have to deal with Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Cavs have twin towers. Like, there's all of those things. And I think that's stuff that's that's challenging. The, the Celtics even. You know, with Robert Williams, who's coming back and, you know, hopefully he can stay on the court. But with Al Horford and all of those things, this is a team that I think can compete with one or two moves mm. and and be right in that mix, mix, you know, of the top four, especially with the way the East is set up. And I just think you're missing this opportunity to be like, hey, can we maybe this experiment? I experiment in the kitchen. It's not edible. Like, this is kind <laughs> of what they're like. This is the stuff I'm watching with them. And I just think like, man, like, I hope they're not wed to this. You know, and you have a big yeah. piece, and this is going to hurt for Raptors fans again. Yeah, I know they're all coming. Um, big piece in Fred Van Vliet, because you got to decide what you're going to do there. He has a player option at the end of this year. If you're the Raptors and you go, hey, we're going to sign him to a massive deal, or we're not. And if we're not, we need to get something for him right now. And there's going to be a value in that, and they can get some pieces for that. So I I'm think there's Katie some of that. Right now. 
Oh, well, I was gosh. just going to say quickly that that's actually, Mo, I think Fred's like a pretty big scapegoat for a large portion of the Raptors fan base. So I think many people would actually agree with you. But OK, Seth, bring it. Bring it on. <laughs> We're just coming. So, in. This is not good for us. We, we have a we guest. So first of all, first of all, first of all, Vision 6-9 kind of sounds like a like you know, a group that gets formed and like a making, make the band kind of reality. Yes. There's a lot of fluff. <laughs> we've, we have, but we have talked a lot on the show over the years about putting hard miles on guys mm. and you bring up Fred Van Vliet. And usually we talk about it with like big guys. Anthony Davis has usually been the guy we've talked about it with a lot, but it's been a couple of years of a lot of really hard miles on Fred Van Vliet and mm-hmm. for a guy of frankly his size there isn't a huge margin for error and so you just you, you if one is going to be like super like steely-eyed and and non-sentimental about this as my son mugs for our camera uh <laughs> um I you you do have to consider like is now the time to 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 move along. I don't I mean, think, I think you guys realize like you're not really hurting my feelings because I'm not necessarily wed or um a hundred percent like bought in to what is happening now. But what I'm not really bought in on is why would you go out and make a trade if you haven't, as I talked about before, of expectation, if you haven't really set out what it is you're trying to do? I don't think that's clear, whether that's on the team as a whole, or I think even like individual players on the team. Well, let me ask you, and, and man, this is now becoming a Raptors dissection. Is Fred Van Vliet a guy that you think will be on the roster the next time this team is ready to play for a championship? I just don't see it. I don't think so. Not at the money that he's he's likely gonna right. gonna want this summer, and so that that's when you need to make the decision because otherwise you run into the situation where you might just lose him for nothing, and when you're not at the championship level, you can't do that with assets. I mean, just like we talked about with Dallas, they can't afford to lose him for nothing. So mm-hmm. whether that means you take a step back on the court in the short term, and again, no expectations should make it easy to do that, right? Like. I mean, theoretically, you know, a move like that could open things up so that you get more Scotty Barnes as the point guard minutes, which to me, it's like, listen, yeah, he's having a rough season so far, but you need him to go through these growing pains so that he's ready for next year and the year after, because I think Pascal Siakam is ready to be, you know, the best player on a championship level team today. Like, I think he Mm -hmm. is right now. I'm with Mo on that. I think that trying to maximize stuff around him and Scotty Barnes is the key to that because if Scotty mm-hmm. can be your point guard and, you know, we know the sort of Swiss army knife, he can be defensively. Um, that raises your ceiling quite a bit. And it, and it does make it so that maybe you don't have to go out and get that traditional big. You can, you know, a, a precious Achua, maybe a better version of that could work for you there because you're able to fly around and everyone will be six, nine in crunch time. Not, you know, you don't have Van Vliet who can get picked on a little bit. So, well, I do think like, Dave, you make a really good point because what I actually think the team might be trying to do and what I what has been like dawning on me more and more just when you look at the makeup of the team and like Fred is himself alluded to it too, but just like being this tiny elephant in the room compared to the makeup of the rest of the team. He's like, you know, I look around and I understand like where I don't necessarily fit. I do wonder if the thought wasn't like, it's very rude to call someone a stopgap, but like Fred is this kind of holdover of like, maybe your Lowry style point guard. And then you're trying to move into Scotty at point and like the, the kind of like pure fluidity that I think is the basis of like, if the experiment works perfectly, that's what you want. The like pure fluidity, positionless basketball. Right. So you do want Scotty there playing point, but he's not there yet. So that's what I wonder. Like you have to be ready for a certain amount of discomfort and probably more losing games. To get there. Yeah. And I think I've seen a lot over the past few days fretting over Scotty Barnes. Everybody needs to remember also he's a second year player. Yes. And those players <laughs> tend to hit walls and it's development. And I mean, Dave, you you and Seth have to be tired of me saying this over and over again. Development is not a linear line. You is not guaranteed each year you're going to have success and be the next, take the next step, take the next leap 
and all of that. It's more of the stock market. It's up, it's down, it's incremental changes. It's an incremental improvement, slight step back. Maybe it's a big jump and all of this. And I think there's a, I, I, I really love Scotty Barnes. Like I really enjoyed watching him play last year. I know this year I've noticed he's kind of struggling. He's struggling trying to be more of the point guard role. And his role has changed from what he was kind of last year, mm-hmm. though he played some some of that. But now it's more, even more, hey, go make this happen. I mean, just in the other game I watched in their loss against the Kings, he thinks he has Siakam open on the baseline for a lob, and he and he and he throws it. Siakam just watches the ball sail out of bounds, going like, "What were you thinking?" You know. <laughs> and I think shades of Poku there, right? He's trying stuff, <laughs> which is good. Don't, don't bring up that dude. Like, stop. Um, we're talking about good players. The uh, I think because oh, the- Toronto is having Toronto mad at you wasn't enough. So now you're gonna get, get the get the Thunder <laughs> it's people. It's the holiday going season, too. Seth. Bring it's them the all OKC on. Bring Toronto them all on. I'm ready, baby. Let's go. Jab, jab, hook. I got them. It's ready to roll. But- say something. Say something about the Jazz now, and we and I think we've hit the. No, I like the Jazz. The tri- jazz is nice. Yeah. Um, no, but I think just trying to calm everybody down with the, the Barnes thing. Cause I think this is always going to be a little bit of a development project. You're going to see what he looks like four or five years from now, but that's why I think they need to make a move to make it easier for everybody else around them. Cause I think you can do this and win games. Mm-hmm. I think you can develop Scotty Barnes and be a, a, a team that's ready to, to be a, a, a force in the East. Like I really feel like they're close and that's mm-hmm. why I get frustrated with the, you know, like when you're, if we don't know what the expectations of the organizations is, or they don't, they don't know what to expect. I think that's a failure on the organization. Mm-hmm. You gotta be, you gotta know this. You gotta know what you're, you're aiming for. And you have to readjust because the goalposts move throughout the season for every team. And they have a chance, I think to be pretty damn good. And I think they got to make that run. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then talk about some of the guys that we think might move now that they can be traded. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, quickly before we wrap, uh, everyone expects Jay Crowder to move, I'm assuming. Um, What about Eric Gordon? Is he just stuck in Houston, or is that a guy who might be able to help one of these teams that's sort of on the cusp of, let's say, a conference finals uh, is 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 Eric Gordon that sort of player anymore? I, I think the problem for the uh, the Rockets is any team that wants to trade for Eric Gordon as a, as in a contender has already given out all their first round picks. Like they're trying to hold on, trying to get a first round pick for him. I feel like, and you know, it's listen. He he would help Milwaukee. He would help Phoenix. He could help my. I mean, there's so many places I think he can help. And and give you a good run for the next year, maybe, maybe two years or, or, or whatnot. But I think, you know, they're holding the asking price at a, uh, a first round pick and it's pretty tough. Is there anybody besides Jakob Pertle that, that, that Toronto wants? I mean, I, I think there's a few teams, like I know the Warriors have kicked the tires on, on Jakob Pertle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still not convinced the Spurs are going to move him, but um, it, it just seems like there's not a ton of guys out there that, that really are going to change the trajectory for many teams. 
No, I mean, I've seen O'Shea Brissett's name float around, which is like it's you've got these like former Raptors players basically now his name floated to like come back. I would be like the way that Toronto makes moves if they're going to make them is way late. You get a team really desperate and then Masai Ujiri sweeps in and gets what he wants. So I wouldn't see them as like the first contenders. We didn't talk about the Bulls at all. And I'm just like, if they tear down that whole thing, are they just moving everyone? I, that's the question that I keep, you know, I see DeRozan's name and I see Vooch's name and both of those guys make sense, but I, I just don't know if you're Chicago. I don't know why you're married to Zach Levine because yeah. you're going to be years away from contention. If you're moving those other guys, um, you know, Caruso, that's a guy that you should probably go ahead and move. Right. And good teams are going to give you good assets for Caruso. Like you're going to get quite quite a, I, I not, you're not getting four first round picks, but you pick up, Pretty nice asset for Caruso. I mean, Levine is a guy that I I thought the Mavs should have been trying to get over the summer because he could work next to Luca. I mean, at least offensively. You worry about the defense and stuff, but you know, I, I don't know. Are the Bull should the Bulls blow it up? Probably. Are they it's, going to? Eh, no. I don't know. It's it's no, funny it's that they, yeah, it's funny you're talking about Levine being the guy that they might need to move because they got themselves into this predicament because they made all these moves because they were worried about. Zach Levine leaving and now they're where they are. And frankly, like some of it, like, I think, you know, all right, if Lonzo ball was healthy, it's like, Ooh, okay. Um, that's it's, maybe that's a triumph of hope over experience, but if he was healthy, this team makes a lot more sense. And we saw kind of first half of last year, what that team can look like. Um, so like the, the ceiling might not have been, you know, championship level, but it was certainly fun, entertaining and credible. Um, but it seems like that is past both Lonzo and this team. And now we were talking when we were talking before, we kind of wondered if they're like the most depressing situation in the league right now. And I, it's a very the Warriors short one is not depressing because they've won a lot of titles. But the, the Curry injury move mm-hmm. to me puts them in a very weird spot. Um, they are a play in team currently. They're going to lose a bunch of games with Curry out. He's going to be out for at least two weeks. Good chance it's longer. It's a shoulder injury. Golden State is not going to take any risk with Steph Curry. I mean, theoretically, they they should they should lose the next five. Like if you look at the schedule, they they it's should get brutal. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. bad. And the Warriors could just be out of it by the time Steph comes back. You know, Jordan Poole has not done well. He's going to be starting, and they're going to be trying to get him to recreate some of his magic from last year. And Clay Thompson's up and down. Wiggins has been hurt. Draymond has not really been great. I, I mean, like, I'm not saying that the Warriors should blow it up, but should the Warriors think about it? I mean, Victor Wembanyama's out there. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they <laughs> got too no much way. to do. No, and and the, the further thing to add is like uh, Draymond's kind of effectiveness is very closely tied to to Curry, being right. with Steph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he is. I think he is more an enhancer for Steph than he is at this point a force in his own right. So I think that's going to, if Curry misses a month, they might just be done for the year. Like they have to go on, Mm -hmm. they'd have to go on such a run. It would be like the, like when uh, the the Blazers made the playoffs in the bubble and Dame just kind of ran completely out of juice because he'd basically been playing playoff games for three weeks before the playoffs started. And it seems like they might be require that kind of run to actually get there. I can't believe you didn't use CC Sabathia and his run with the Brewers. That we're that a basketball one, podcast. Yeah, I know, but you know that. it, that's what know. they would need from Steph Curry. They would literally need Steph Curry. To, he would have to come back and and I mean, he's all look at the numbers he's already putting up. He had thirty eight through three quarters in the game that he got hurt, and, and the Warriors were not really in it while he was out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the, the, the Warriors are just in a tough spot. Like they, they had a couple high draft picks. You can argue they whiffed on all three of them, you know. As and and we could see how good Kaminga ends up being in the in the long run. But for me, always Wagner over Kaminga is always going to be a painful uh thing to look at because I think Wagner would have been great. But I think the ultimate thing is they're just in that situation. I think they just got to kind of ride it out and hope these young kids develop. Like I just don't think there's anything there right now. You can't make a panic trade now. Because mm-hmm. you you because Curry got hurt. Because even with Curry, you're 14 and 15. You're like 
two and a million on the road. Like, or, or yeah, the only two, two and 12, which is, yeah, yeah. pretty close. Yeah, I'm, I, two and 13 after the loss to Indy. But like, you're, you're struggling in that. So I think the mistake is, and like you said, they can lose the next five easily. So like, I don't know if you make a panic trade in that instance, if you're the Warriors. Yeah, I, I would rather them not trade tread water. You know, I mean, if you're going to just keep it going, it, just bring it back next year and see how, how it looks. Um, that's about time to wrap. You guys got any closing thoughts, Katie? Got anything you want to get off your chest here as we approach the holiday season? The, the official kickoff of the NBA season. Now people can actually care about the, the season. I think that's how yeah. it's supposed to work. Yeah, I think so. Um, no, I would just say, like, I always like looking back at the first part of the, the season as a barometer. Uh, you can kind of see where the overreaction started, where the underreactions uh, have come through, who's actually like starting to get it together. I feel like anything before this is just practice. So I think that is a lot of hopefully lend some hopefulness to like hopefully helpfulness. Jesus. Um, a lot of hope in this podcast. <laughs> Uh, to, you know, to people who might be feeling a little bit stressed of the current situations uh, of their team, there's still a lot of runway left, basically. I I think in the West, it's anybody's, it's anybody's to win this year. Honestly, the East, aside from the Celtics, when you look at the standings in the East from like five through nine, maybe even stretch 10, you have like near identical records. So I, I, my closing thought here is just, I think the old run of after 20 games, you know, where everything stands think that no longer stands anymore in the NBA, at least the way the NBA is now with everybody resting and things like that. Honestly, I could see teams that we're looking at now that are in the playing tournament slot shoot up. I can mm-hmm. see teams that are in the top dropping down and, and all sorts of stuff. The only stuff we know for sure, Charlotte sucks. <laughs> but I'm loving what Steve Pepper's bringing to the table. <laughs> he's trying hey. his very, he doesn't have a lot of talent there. He's the best thing about the Hornets. Well, that's going to do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, a special thanks to Katie Heindel. Go and check her out at WhatEvs on Twitter, WTEVS, and Basketball Feelings Newsletter. That's going to do it, guys. Oh, BasketballFeelings.com. Even better. That's going to do it for this week's Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show.